on the wrestling podcast about nothing. We are trucking through the territories. And this week we are... We drove that concept right into a ditch, Brian. Uh, so instead, let's talk about something we collected in our youth. Something Brian still buys today for his son. Yes, today we're talking about wrestling figures, not wrestling dolls. Figures. And helping us out is a former wrestler whose passion is collecting rare and unique action figures, our old pal, Sean Burke. Hey, maybe if you loved your son as much as I love mine, you'd buy him wrestling figures. <laughs> okay, Brian. Plus your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 171, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast currently on an extended hiatus for the ring and joining me as always is a veteran of the new england independent matt Wars. now he is a contracted ring of honor wrestler he is mr inside edition he is one half of the bouncers he is not one half of the roh world tag team champions the brawler brian malonis well you wouldn't know you weren't there so thanks once again for all your support michael you know what the deal, Brian. I just couldn't make it. The, it was so hot that day. You, you don't even know that you couldn't have made it because I, I heard your little BS last week. You texted me at like 8.30 in the morning telling me you weren't going to make it. Well, yeah, I wanted to give you plenty of time. to. It wasn't going to be a last minute thing. That, no, that, that, that's, not, that's not I can't make it. That's I had never had any intentions of, of even coming. Well, Brian, the the... Birthday. Let's uh, let's move on, Brian. This is just it's way in the past because I mean we should have talked about this last week, but you weren't here, Brian, because you were on a hiatus yourself on the wrestling podcast about nothing. You know, may, hey, maybe maybe if I served a, a meal and free cake uh, like like Fury did at his wedding, you would have showed up late at least. <laughs> well, uh, I thought you kind of went into hiding after the tag team title loss. It turns out you're just hiding from me because you were doing all these other podcasts last week, just into the wrestling podcast about nothing. What say you? <laughs> You know, the burnout is real, Mike. The burnout is real. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, here we are once again, Brian. And we usually on the first uh, Monday of the month do trucking through the territories. But yes, we're putting it on the shelf. It is done. We started out doing it because we really genuinely wanted to watch wrestling from all these different territories. Uh, but according to the poll we recently did, Brian, the listeners didn't necessarily want to go along for the ride with us. <laughs> I guess not. 
You'd rather hear us talk about other stuff, which is great. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about wrestling figures today. So that's what's coming up today in the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Also coming up, we're going to talk about how you missed out on being part of one of the greatest moments in podcast history. Uh, we'll talk about that. Also, we'll discuss how a WWE NXT superstar publicly blames you for making his mother cry and a ton more. But let's get to our guest and the subject at hand. And we will right after we talk about BrianMalonis.com, right? Yeah, the, lots of t-shirts up there, including the Beer, Beer, Beer t-shirt and the WPA and Curtain Jerker t-shirt and Mega Malonis and all these other good ones, the Brawler Malonis shirts. So yeah, head over to BrianMalonis.com, pick yourself up a t-shirt, and I won't give you a phone call. You will not give us a phone call? I will not. Okay, good. How about the <laughs> WPAN.com? That is the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base, the official website of the wrestling podcast about nothing. You can find the ways to subscribe to the podcast, all the different podcast outlets, including Spotify, plus all these social media links are there. We are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the different places. Also, there are bios. Also, there are photos. There are those hidden nudes, so you have to go to the WPAN.com, the WPAN.com to find those. Also, we've been talking about, Brian, the fact that we used to be on BDA Radio, and BDARadio.com now redirects to the WPAN.com. And when BDARadio.com existed, they had a lot of photos of MMA fighters, female MMA fighters mostly, in uh, various stages of undress. A lot of that stuff is still floating out there. The links are still floating out there. So people click on these links or people put in these search terms to find these photos and end up at our website looking at photos of a half-naked kingpin slash brawler Brian Malonis. So uh, sucks to be them. But uh, I went in and checked out more of these search terms that have been used that bring people to the WPAN.com. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, let's start out here with Galena Dub, Hot Picks. Hot Picks? Hot Picks. Have you ever in your life, when you wanted to see photos of a woman, put Hot Picks? Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't say that I have, buddy. I can't say that I have. Yeah, I don't know what kind of photos that will bring you, but uh, someone put that in these search terms and brought them to the WPAN.com. Uh, so I'm sure they were sorely disappointed. How about this one, Brian? Love, Katie Helga, love. Okay. So basically, it's a Katie Helga sandwich with two love pieces of bread. Love, Katie Helga, love. I'm not sure who Katie Helga is. <laughs> I'm not sure why you'd search love <laughs> with it. Yes. I'm not quite sure why. I just saw that and found it uh, a bit odd, so I figured I'd include it here. Let's move on to the next search term that was used that brought someone to our fine website, our corner of the interwebs. Seductive, mature women. Hmm. Are you all right? You pass out? Seductive, mature women. That really gets your motor running, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how these are leading even to the old BDA site. It's uh, baffling to me. Baffling. Uh, how about this search term, Brian? Rocky Barnes panty. Ooh, the panty makes another appearance here on the <laughs> wrestling podcast about nothing. Well, this is different. We've talked about the various terms for undergarments for ladies. Uh, 
We talked about undies last week, uh, underwear with Todd. He's partial to underpants, which is a little creepy, I think. (laughs) He does love saying underpants. (laughs) He certainly does. And this isn't even panties. This is the singular panty. Rocky Barnes panty. Just one panty? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know. Does that just one leg hole? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Let's let's, let's get. Some, does anybody know out there? <laughs> Anyone have any singular panties they can share? No, don't don't share them, please. Good God! <laughs> okay, the show become okay. Finally, Brian, uh, you can ask that again after I read this one. The final search term that led people to our website, the WPAN.com. Victoria's Secret. Open butts. How did that get them to our site? I haven't the foggiest idea. Yeah, I really don't think there are any open butts on BDA Radio either. I sure hope not. <laughs> you're gonna be, you're gonna be buying some of these around Valentine's Day, Mike. <laughs> some Victoria's Secret open butts. <laughs> I I I don't think that would go over well with anybody. <laughs> All right, uh, and if somebody can explain to us what Victoria's Secret open butts are, <laughs> please tweet us at the, at the WP. Uh, s- spread them and let us know. Uh, so, Jesus Christ. So, yes, the, all these terms brought people to the WPAN.com, the WPAN.com, the most disappointing site on the internet. <laughs> well, maybe uh, they want to see some... Uh, Victoria's Secret open butts on me and you, Mike. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do. We still have to get that photo shoot scheduled. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's 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 get serious here. We got to talk about some serious adult stuff here on the uh, wrestling podcast about nothing. Adult Mark? No, not him. Oh. All right, we are joined by a pro wrestler who had his career cut short due to injury. And a guy who loves his figures. He is known as Flex Collects on Instagram. He's the former Flex Rubble Crunch in Chikara, a gatekeeper in Evolve, and a supreme talent in our minds and hearts. It is Sean Burke. Hello, sir. How I, I really, really enjoyed that introduction. You made me sound a lot better than I was. <laughs> You're something else. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, I laugh because I'm a guy who actually had to put your ass over. A lot of times. I know. Did you ever even return the favor once? Uh... Honestly, I don't think have you. I don't think you've ever beaten me. I don't think so either. So thanks I for that. Thanks for returning the favor, you worthless prick. That makes <laughs> me so happy. I got out before I had to. I love it. <laughs> Last time we talked to you, Sean Burke, uh, you uh, had a uh, injury. Well, you had a long-lasting injury that kind of uh, caught up with you. Uh, you know, a number of concussions that led to you retiring but you did come back for one final match correct within the uh, past year yeah i actually i kind of under the radar did like a little uh i ended up having about 10 matches last summer oh really i did yeah and i I did it you know for the purpose of i knew i wanted to have one last match near home so i had it in springfield against uh antonio thomas or what's what's his gimmick now Thomas Santel. Santel. He's going to be so mad at me that I forgot the name if he listens to this. (laughs) I'm going to get like really nasty text messages. But I I knew I wanted to do one last one. Before I did it, I was obviously incredibly rusty. I hadn't been in the ring for about a year at that point. So I took some smaller bookings and stuff to kind of just shake the rust off. So I ended up having about 10 matches or so. Were you under a hood or are you just uh, on smaller shows so a lot of people didn't know about it? A couple times I was under a hood. 
I did one show for Chikara in the Battle Royal, which was kind of fun. I got to kind of work around with Glacier, which was very <laughs> amusing in a Battle Royal. He's a hell of a funny guy. And then I did a couple of Blitzkrieg shows and stuff like that. Uh, and then I did that last show for uh, for Big Time. Just shows you're never truly retired. I think I'm like, so I'm probably as retired as any wrestler has ever been. So in that last match, I decided to do a taker dive, which I had done. Well, actually, I had Brian, you were probably involved in some of these. I had some real ugly ones that I did in chaotic <laughs> early on. Um, but I finally figured out how to do it correctly. But at this show, instead of going over the middle of the ropes, which I usually would have done, because I didn't think we had enough room uh, between the ring and the railing, I decided to kind of kitty corner the corner and go over kind of sideways and uh, came up incredibly short, landed on my head, busted the back of my head open, and ended up getting uh, six staples in the back of my head. And I was like, you know what? I For a guy that retired because of head injury, or I don't want to say retired, for a guy that quit the business for head injuries, I was like, that's probably my sign that this, I probably shouldn't do this anymore. So I'm uh, I'm good. I've got I had my closure. I'm good. Yeah, I was going to say you got to go out like you wanted to, but with a big gash in the back of your head, that's probably not how you wanted to go out. No, I mean, that wasn't the plan. Definitely wasn't the plan, but um, now I got a nice little reminder back there. Since I'm losing my hair, I, I've shaved it a couple of times, and I've got a nice little nice little gash back there that people like to look at. It happens, the hair. It's, it goes, and, you know, what can you do, really? Right, Brian? Uh, I'm still pretty good, bud. <laughs> uh, you just got to own it. You just got <laughs> to own it, bick it, shine it up. Right before I did it, I was actually texting with Brian Fury to uh, get some advice for what kind of razor to use and everything. He was actually he was incredibly helpful, fellow bald man. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know the feeling, fellas. Uh, sorry. Well, someday I hope you do. I really do. Yes. <laughs> well, I shaved my head anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Good point. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got the closure there, Sean Burke, and now you've got a new career. I don't know if you can call it a career, but you're on Instagram at Flex Collects, where you kind of show off your action figure collection, right? Oh, God, yeah. It's gotten out of control. My wife hates it. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure if we ever get divorced, it's going to be because of this stuff. But it's actually really funny. when, like, She was concerned when I went back and did those last couple of matches and everything. Um, and the way I pitched it to her was, look, when I'm on the road and I'm traveling and stuff like that, I have no time to even think about or look at toys. So it's kind of a win-win for you. I'm out of the house and I'm not buying any new toys. Nothing new is coming in. But when I don't have that, I think I fill my boredom with a little bit of a collecting habit here. And it's uh, getting slightly out of control. And you have to respect that you, you know, you own it. You say, you know, you're an action figure collector. You put it on Instagram. Whereas our own Brian Malone is here. He likes to say he buys these things for his son. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i do i bought him the red rooster not myself <laughs> see i think what's happening here is he is buying them for his kid but it's like he wants to buy them for himself and won't admit it kind of deal oh that's absolutely I, I, i'll admit it. that's absolutely what's going on my kid has no clue who half these freaking guys are that i'm buying them <laughs> my kids have bought he's uh almost three now and it, it's so bad that he comes up into my little man cave that i've got here and he knows that these are daddy's toys and he can't touch them so he comes <laughs> up to like my glass cases and looks at them and he like points at the bret hart hasbros and go daddy i like that one i like that one and i'm like all right buddy just don't don't try to go in there <laughs> play with my stuff man <laughs> no fingerprints no fingerprints <laughs> mint is mint buddy so i uh what i tend to do now to, to kind of actually alleviate that that concern is i uh 
I'll get some like vintage stuff, whether it's like some really beat up He-Man figures or some really beat up wrestling figures or something like that, uh, that match things that I have. So when he comes up here and he gets really antsy and wants to play with something, I'll be like, Hey buddy, come here. Look, this is for you. So it's, uh, I bribed my kid not to touch my toys (laughs) when he's in like high school and stuff. He's going to like, I don't need, he's, oh man, he's going to be so scarred and he's going to be like, my dad is the biggest dork in the history of mankind. (laughs) He's going to be done with toys before you are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I technically only have one toy, by the way. I and I just bought it. The the Macho Man Slim Jim. That's the that's the only one I own. Really? Yep. And you haven't let the kid touch it? No, 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 no. He's not touching that one. Okay. Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> Slippery slope. <laughs> now I have it over to your place, Brian, and it is a, a virtual treasure trove of uh mattel wwf figures over there yeah we get like this i don't know like a six drawer like uh you know cabinet thing that uh three of them are like bigger drawers jam full with figures and then there's belts and accessories and um and and maybe you can chime in on this burke all the freaking hands now that they (laughs) (laughs) i mean some of them are cool some of them are just absolutely pointless there's so much stuff like that like we uh and we'll probably end up talking a little bit about this, but like the WCW Toy Biz figures from the, the late 90s, there are so many pointless accessories that come with these things. I'm kind of like anal about I need my stuff to be complete, but like I've got this Hulk Hogan Ric Flair set that for no apparent reason came with a ladder. Like I I really <laughs> don't need this ladder, but because I'm anal about it, I got the ladder standing next to them on display like it, you know, like it. <laughs> somehow impacts the toy so i get it yeah there's sometimes there's too many accessories and too many little things that uh that come with these things it's funny i I think the accessories almost like they started out like you think of some of the ljn ones and they were actually like proper accessories and then i feel like it um it sort of degenerated with like the jacks series where it was just a random random stuff and then but mattel has then gotten very good with the different accessories especially like some of the classics and so it's almost like come full circle where it was originally was minimalist and then it kind of went haywire and now i feel like mattel does a pretty good job at like giving um appropriate accessories and then and then not including them if they don't have to like i said the only weird thing now is the inclusion of hands for every figure even if they don't do some sort of funky you know hand signal nakamura has about 27 hands i think (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I think it makes sense for Nakamura, but um, you know, like I got like a King Mabel for uh, for for my son, and he has it was a spare set of hands for some reason. Air quotes for my son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where, where do you keep the extra hands? Like, does it come with a little baggie or something? Like, how do you not lose these little things? For us, we it's in his like he has like two little accessory drawers where all the championship belts and all the stuff like that go. So that's that's where we put them. But yeah, I mean he's never gonna change them. Like he's never gonna like ever use those extra hands. So if hey anybody out there needs an abundance of Mattel hands for <laughs> their elites, uh, let me know. <laughs> eBay, brother, eBay. All right. <laughs> so Brian, when you were probably your son's age, or maybe a little later. You were collecting the original WWF figures, the LJNs, right? I was, yeah. That's where I got started, too. I, I started with the LJNs. What were your favorites back in the... This, these started in 1985, was when the uh, first series of LJN figures came out. What were your, some of your favorites? You're talking to me, me or Burke? You, Brian. You're older than me. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but somehow I've outlasted you in pro wrestling, so... 
that's you know yeah <laughs> um you know i mean i mean the classic hulk hogan i mean the first ones i got um you know i'm positive were uh hulk hogan and uh rowdy roddy piper you know i distinctly remember playing on my kitchen table with you know whoever my dad my mom my aunt my uncle i remember getting the blue steel cage which was a piece of shit um, I, I mean, I remember this distinctly, you know, being, you know, four or five years old and my uncle having to tie the steel cage together with shoelaces because it just wouldn't stay on terrible. But, you know, I mean, geez, I, you know, I mean, I had all of them, God, the Andre, the giant, I only ever had the long haired Andre, the giant though. I never got the, I never got the short haired. I always had the original just long-haired Andre the Giant. Um, see, I, I had the short hair with just the blue trunks. Uh, see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that one. Um, I think there's a third one that's short hair with the uh, the Andre singlet. I think, and I think that's the one that's the rarest. That's like the black card, like the yeah. famed, like you know, black card series. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, but he still has a smiling Andre face. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, King Kong Bundy was another great one, and that one was like a freaking brick. Like that was like it was like a weapon. Yes. Yeah, you could do some damage with the LJN King Kong Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've got that I think is actually kind of underrated from LJN that I think people tend to forget about. They had put out a, I believe it's. I'm actually looking at it right now. I think it's 12 inches. It might be taller, but they put out like a, a giant sized Hogan and a giant sized uh, Piper. I don't know if you guys have seen those, but they're, uh, I have Hogan. I don't have the Piper, but the Hogan's like possibly the most eighties thing that I've ever seen, which is why I own it. It's just, uh, it just like literally screams eighties Hogan. Oh, they were great. Those, I, I had both of those, the arms and the heads and the legs come off of them. So you could like, I, you know, I just mess with them sometimes and like switch around the arms and legs and stuff. Wait, you pulled the arms and legs out. Jesus, you're brave. <laughs> I was a kid. I, you know, I didn't freaking know any better. I'm kind of thinking about it right now, staring at this thing, but I think I'm the pass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I remember right, they had cloth accessories to these. Yeah, he's got like Hogan's got a cloth Hulkamania shirt and a uh, you know plastic rubbery uh, belt. The other funny thing about LJNs, Mike, is like I remember you know, and I, I don't know you know I don't I don't know when or where like my parents stopped buying them or how that all worked out, but I remember my cousin was who was a who's a few years older than me. He had he was big into wrestling too, and then he grew out of his figures, and I and I got his figures, and I got guys that I didn't even freaking know they made. I got Bam Bam Bigelow, I got uh, Bruno San Martino, I got a Ted Arcidi. I didn't even know they freaking made these guys, and and here I am getting them for free later, you know, secondhand from my from my cousin, and it just absolutely blew my mind. I have a Bam Bam too, actually. I actually ordered that uh, from the back of the PWI, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated. That's how I got a lot of these because I remember they just like kind of stopped appearing in stores, but I would see these ads in Pro Wrestling Illustrated for like the later series with like the big boss man and Haku and the ultimate warrior. And uh, this series, I guess came on 1989 series six. And I guess it was only distributed in Canada because it had like, you know, French on it as well as English. I, I got the Bam Bam Bigelow. I think it was on a black card, but I didn't really get many of the other ones, but uh, yeah, th- those are, uh, I think pretty rare, right, Sean? Yeah. Those are extremely the uh, Haku specifically. Um, and the Warlord are – anything on the black cards is extremely rare, but Haku and Warlord are, are two of the most expensive ones that you'll find. 
I've never laid eyes on those. I've never laid eyes on them. I've never laid eyes on a boss man. I've never laid eyes on a warrior. I, you know, it's like I, even, forget owning them. I just want to like see them and hold them <laughs> and hold them. <laughs> your son? You mean you want your son to be able to hold them? Right? No, screw oh. him. I want to play. That's those are for me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got uh, online also, not online, this is before online, but through the mail, I got the uh, Heart Foundation 2-pack. Oh, um, that one's awesome. And of course, I you know opened it up and played with it. It's, I think it's still at my parents' house. They're all beat up, but th- those are pretty, uh, those are worth a pretty penny these days, right, Sean? Yeah, in fact, um, Santel there that we were just talking about was at, I don't I think, oh, he's at the New England uh, Fan Fest, Brian, where I saw you. Yeah, a guy had LJNs at his table, and he was sending me pictures of them, and he had the Heart Foundation. And I, I that's one of the few that – so I never really was huge into LJNs, but that's one of the few tag teams out of that set that I really want. And uh, I was like, yeah, how, how much is he asking for on those? And I think it was like he was asking like 260 or something like that, 250 So they are uh, they're pretty expensive, especially if, if they still have the belts and everything and are in decent shape. Was it in the box? They weren't in the box. No, they were loose. Yeah. Any of that stuff in the box I think is probably close to a grand at this point. You know, my aunt, my aunt would probably be mad if she heard me say this, but my aunt has a very large collection of LJNs all still in the package from like the 80s. Um, I don't know how deep her series go or who, who exactly she has. I know she definitely has, you know, all of the early ones, some of the early tag team packs, but really? Um, Oh yeah, she and, and I tell her all the time, you're sitting on a gold mine, and she's like, I'll never sell them. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's the thing I always say. Like I tell I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm spending all this money on this stuff. I have a feeling at some, so it's very popular now, right? That the toy collecting industry in general, especially wrestling figures, is really hot. I'm expecting at some point it's going to be like baseball cards, and it's just going to pop. So like I, I've always been telling everybody, if you're sitting on any of this stuff for money, I would sell it now. I don't know if it's ever going to be any hotter than it is now. Yeah, I, I I have a bunch at home that I I've, I've thought about getting rid of, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, who? Where do you go with it? What, just go to eBay. you, I guess, right? <laughs> eBay. Go to eBay. Call Zack Ryder. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think? I mean, and, and they and they talk on their podcast, and I'm a big fan of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. I think that's what's kind of like inspired us having you on here. Nice. It, it's it's a it's a great show. It 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 gets me fired up and. Do you, I mean, do you think, you know, they, they definitely like to um, profess that they, they've had a large impact on the collecting community and the prices and stuff. Do you know what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think they have legitimately impacted the price of, of what some of these figures are going for? I really do, actually. The Hasbros uh, from the early 90s are really hot right now. And they were already starting to get they started to get hot when Mattel came out with the retro figures that if you're not familiar with those, they're basically carbon copies of the Hasbros. Um, just now of modern guys and guys that they didn't get in the Hasbro set originally. That set came out, the Hasbro prices started to go up through the roof. And I think that was before they started that podcast. But there's other stuff that they'll talk about on that podcast. Like, if, and Brian, I know you listen on a regular basis. They talked about that backlash, Jack's bone crunching cane in like alternate attire or something that yeah. prior to them talking about it was probably a $20 figure at max. I think Myers was looking for one. There was one on eBay that because they were talking about it so much, it ended up going for like 200 bucks. So I definitely do think that they're having an impact on it, certainly with the stuff they talk about. Because I think what, what happens, I know what happens to me is I'll, I'll be listening to the podcast and I'm a big fan of it as well. I'll hear them talk about something and I'll kind of be like, oh yeah, well shit, I want that. Why don't I have that? And then I'll go try to buy it. And if other, Obviously, if other people are at the same time, it's 
there's the supply out there and there's a demand. So if the demand is high, you're going to see the prices go up. So I definitely think they have an impact on it. Let's get to the Hasbro's in just one second. But I just want to talk about one thing that I read while I was researching uh, the LJNs. I guess there was a final series of figures that were scheduled to be released but never got produced. Uh, guys including Bad News Brown, the Bushwhackers, Demolition Smash, because, you know, strangely enough, there's a Demolition Axe in LJN, but not a Smash. Uh, the Barbarian, even Brother Love was apparently supposed to be in this last set. And there was actually photography of the wrestlers that appeared on the back of the Black Card Superstars 89 cards. And it was mentioned in ads, but they never really got produced. That's kind of interesting, especially like the fact that... Uh, there was a Demolition Axe. There was going to be a Demolition Smash, but apparently it never happened. The uh, LJNs just kind of went away. So Hasbro, uh, Sean Burke, you started watching wrestling the early 90s. So Hasbro was your jam, right? Yep, yep. So has, the Hasbro figures came out in 1990. The first wrestling event I remember watching was SummerSlam 90. So it timed up pretty perfectly for me. Now, I I think this is, I mean, I was high school age at the time. I was say you're, you're like 20 by this point, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just didn't like the, the Hasbros. I thought it was like too cartoony. I liked the LJNs. You know, they're kind of more realistic looking than these. I really didn't like the Hasbros. I never collected, I never had one Hasbro figure. And actually, I got back and I collected some of the Jacks uh, after the fact, but I never got into the Hasbros at all. I know, Brian, you were big into them as well. Uh, you know, I, well, I wasn't super big into the Hasbros. This was about the time I started getting out of toys. So I probably got maybe like the first couple series. Um, but, you know, this, you know, when I was like 10, 11 years old, or I started, you know, right around there, which is around 91-ish, you know, um, I really started getting out of toys. I was really into sports, playing on multiple baseball teams, you know, and uh, playing a lot of basketball. Um, so my brother was actually really big into the Hasbros. They're more like, that's more like his speed, even though he was, he was probably only like three, you know, two, three, four at that point. But he just kind of took over my collection. And But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I... I didn't love them either. I think I think it was if you were a child of the '80s and you're used to these big, heavy, rubber figures, and then and then it, it, they almost felt like uh, you know. And now, and now I look back at them and they're actually pretty darn good figures. Um, but but at that time, it almost felt like a um, if you're a kid of, from that era that was playing with both and you had that transition, it almost felt like a step down just because they were light and plastic and you had these big, heavy, durable rubber things that you're used to. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't like the fact that yeah, they had the one move that they did like Hogan could do a slam, you know, they had their arms up and the arms could go down. They did one move like it seemed like it was much more limiting than the than the LJN figures even though the LJN figures were kind of stiff. Um what were your thoughts on the I mean, you're a kid, right? Sean Burks, you just loved anything WWF at the time, right? Yeah, I mean, I was 6 um when they came or actually probably five depending i don't actually know what time of year they were uh released but my birthday's at the end of the year so i was probably five when they came out i loved them because it was all i really had you know it's it's funny the way you, you guys are kind of talking about how much you love the ljns and these were kind of the new things and they didn't live you know you didn't feel like they lived up to what you uh were used to i'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum where i was so used to playing with these i'd go to like flea markets and stuff and i would see the ljns and i'd be like what are these big goofy rubber things that don't move at all so it's 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 funny how we're like it's almost the same complaint but on the opposite end of the spectrum because of when we were really into playing with them. So Kamala, that's the big figure with the uh, Hasbro. Is that the number one like most sought after figure for Hasbro? You know, I, honestly, 
probably i mean the hogan mail away is obviously is easier to find but i feel like that might actually because it's slightly easier to find so that so they had a series of there's three different figures that you can mail away for um i think they were i think you had to mail away through like the mag the wwf magazine at the time there was a bret hart that got released later on in one of the regular series so that one unless you have it in a bag which is how they did all the mail aways it's kind of like you don't know if you had the one that was just released in the regular series or if you had the bagged one. Um, but there was a Hulk Hogan, which was completely different from any other Hogan they released. He was wearing like his WrestleMania nine gear. And then there was an Undertaker that came with a cloak, which was very similar to the Undertaker that was released on the red card series, which I think is series eight, um, except for his facial hair is a different color and his, and his hair on his head is a different color. It had more of a reddish tint uh, as compared to pretty much the jet black, the regular release figure had so those are actually highly sought after uh the undertaker is extremely extremely hard to find the kamala Moonbelly is a little bit different so it's it was never i guess technically it was never officially released so the belief and no one really knows what happened but the belief is that you know there was some kind of copyright issue or some kind of issue with them putting a moon on kamala's belly so you know kamala always said that moon painted on his belly the figure that most of us have, the Kamala that most of us have, has kind of like this half moon turned into a star thing. I think the running belief is that I, there was some kind of issue with the moon being there. So they changed it while they were producing the figures and only a few of them got out. And I think, you know, the, the commonly accepted belief right now is that there's only 25 of them, I believe, that are known to exist in the world. So it is definitely the rarest figure that was actually kind of technically released. Um, but it's so hard to find and the prices that at this point are so astronomical on it that it's almost kind of like every once in a while one will pop up on eBay and it's, it's kind of like everyone just kind of looks at it and drools, but I don't think anybody's actually buying them. You don't have that kind of dough, Sean Burke? <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not rolling that kind of cash. I would, that would, that's divorce worthy. I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think they're going for at least, I think when, when they do sell, I think they're you know certainly going for at least 10 grand. And then you have the issue of that thing is very, very easy. It would be very easy to customize a Kamala and simply kind of change the paint job on him. And some of these customizers and stuff that are out there now are so good that you wouldn't know the difference. So that one really, if you don't have it on card, uh, kind of verifying that it's real, there's a lot of skeptics out there that'll say it's not real, it's fake and all that kind of stuff. So definitely the toughest one to find. The other one I remember that was uh, really worth some money was the Dusty Rhodes. What's the deal behind that one? Oh, yeah, Dusty. So Dusty is just hard to find. And I, I don't know why. I don't know if they didn't make as many of him. I mean, he was released in the regular line. I actually remember having it as a kid. It's really funny. Actually, that one, for some reason, I remember vividly popping out of the package. And God, I really wish I didn't um, at this point. But it was just it was rare. I don't know if they just produced less of them. But there's also um, he has white boots. And there is all kinds of speculation out there that there was a different version that was released. And it had yellow boots. The common belief on that is what actually happens is these white boots, uh, all of these figures, if you get, if, if they're in, in direct sunlight for too long, they're going to get discolored, plastic discolors. So the belief is that there is not actually a yellow boots dusty out there, that these are just a bunch of dusties that have sun damage on them. But that's one of the common uh, arguments that, that kind of happened in the Hasbro world. <laughs> when these arguments take place, Sean Burke, between figure people? The, the magical interwebs. Oh, okay. One of the things I always get amazed by, and, and I don't know if who out there might follow him on uh, Instagram, whatnot, is Zombie Sailor. 
Oh yeah. And, and 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 he does it a lot with with Masters of the Universe stuff, but I always get so blown away when they find cases of unopened toys from you know the 80s or 90s and I, th- I think he's done it a couple times with um with maybe like um hasbro rings I, I don't know if he's had hasbro cases of he has i actually before he really exploded and got really but you know before you know right Ryder stumbled across him um and puts him over all the time in that podcast and that's really kind of helped his business before that happened i had stumbled across him uh when he was actually selling a ton of uh Series one Hasbro case freshman on card figures. And I bought a Hogan from him uh, and a Jake Roberts from him at that point. And I, the, I paid like 90 bucks for the Hogan. And I think I only paid like 30 bucks for Jake. Um, and they've skyrocketed since. But he has he has actually had, you know, case fresh, beautifully mint series one Hasbro's before. WCW, uh, they had a number of lines over the years. They first got into it in 1990 with the Galoob series of figures. Uh, Burke, do you have any of those WCW Galoob figures? Very few. I have a couple versions of Sting. And the one that I really like that I have is, um, so there was European releases. And I don't know the timelines on these things. or I'm not really an expert on it. But there were some figures that were only released in Europe, and they're a lot harder to find. There's a Sting wearing his coat and everything that's very sought after and very expensive. I have a Sid Vicious with a pink singlet on, which I just think is kind of cool because I remember, you know, I do remember as a kid in the early 90s when he was in WCW, um, he would come out periodically in really bright kind of singlets and stuff. So I was able to find one of those on eBay, and I really liked that. That's probably the one I like the most that I have. And also, uh, moving on to the WCW original San Francisco Toymaker figures, which came out uh, starting in 1994. I know we talked about this before we went on the air. They were kind of uh, reminiscent of the LJN figures, a little smaller scale, but uh, very similar design, right? Yep, absolutely. Very LJN-like. The big difference was where you know most of the LJN figures, you could, you know, they're not bendable figures, but you could kind of bend them a little bit and pose them. The uh, toy maker figures are like an absolute brick. Like you got, you were talking about Bundy being a weapon. Any of the toy makers ones are complete weapons. You beat the hell out of somebody with them. <laughs> now I want to talk about another WCW kind of uh, line of figures. I think it's also by the uh, San Francisco toy makers guys. There were a line of figures that were. I, I remember clear as day. They were solid plastic, and they had a button. They oh. had a button like underneath the armpit. <laughs> And do you know what happened when you press the button, Brian? Uh, it um, it vibrated. It's a vibrator. <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> Vibrating wrestlers. This is something that I guess kids all over the place were clamoring for, right, Sean Burke? Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I as a kid, I had a Kevin Nash vibrator. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know the fun. The funny thing is, I think they. Uh, you know, I think we might have just uncovered why uh, the Yeti and the Big Show or, or the Giant did the move they did to Hulk Hogan. It was <laughs> trying to push these vibrating figures in the way they're going to move. <laughs> Those had to be. I remember even as a kid, like you know, that was right when WCW was blowing up with the NWO, and I remember walking into like a Walmart or something and seeing those on the shelf and being wicked jacked up because. I was a big Diesel fan. I was a big Razor Ramon fan. And you didn't really get too much of them on the WWF side. So I saw those things hanging there and I was like, oh my God, this is so great. I remember getting them home and opening them and being like, you know, as like I was probably 11 years old at that point, probably shouldn't have been playing with toys. But I was like, you know, hit the button and I'm like, what the fuck? 
Like, what is this? <laughs> why the fuck? Like, why is this guy? Why is my Hulk Hogan vibrating? They usually like, like you try to wrestle them or something, put them together, and they're like just rubbing up on each other. It was awful. Those might be the worst toys ever made. It could be. Um, so, 1996 brought uh, the WWF's next license with Jack Specific, and that was a line that I started to get back into just a little bit. Burke, were you big into the Jacks figures? I actually wasn't. Um, I was very excited when I saw him hit the shelves because we had had a little lull there of about a year or so where there weren't any wrestling figures. It was just really the Bendums, which I didn't like because you couldn't really do anything with them. I remember walking into some store, probably Kmart, and seeing a Diesel and an Undertaker with purple gloves, which was like always a big thing. Hasbro's only had the gray gloves. you know, They weren't around long enough to get to the purple glove era. I was really jacked up to get them. Then when I pulled them out of the box, it was kind of kind of disappointed the legs were wicked loose they were kind of awkward looking Shawn michaels figure was in this really weird pose then they came out with a ring that was actually just a repainted ljn ring and those figures those first jacks bca figures are significantly smaller than the ljn figures so they tried to market it as a monster ring but like the top rope (laughs) is like way above undertaker's head and stuff so it was just i thought it was all kind of wonky um and didn't really like it and now as an adult just because of the nostalgia of it, I'm going back and trying to get all the first series mint on card. So, yeah, because the first series had like, was that the one that had the Warrior and Diesel and Razor Ramon? Warrior was actually series two. Okay, but yeah, the first series. I don't, hold on, let me let me. I've got my gold dust here. Let me take a look at the back. First series was Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Diesel, Razor, and Gold Dust. It's great. You get everything within arm's reach there. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. As we start talking about something, I'm like, oh, where are they? Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's my life now. Uh, Malonis, the Jack specific. Where were you on that? I, I was completely out at that point. That was all. Uh, that was all my, you know, my brother, who's he's eight years younger than me, but he was all uh, into the bone crunchers, and yeah, I, I was completely out by that point. Um, I mean, I, I remember searching, you know, f- with him for them, and this wasn't like the other way I buy them now for my son. This was legitimately I was out of toys, and uh, my brother was psyched to get them. I think the thing with the jacks that really opened things up for everybody. I think that was when they did the first classic superstar line and that really i think got everyone uh to pay attention because doing old figures doing old wrestlers legends that's really something that brought a lot of old fans i think back to collecting oh yeah and that was that's um you know people talk about that and as being like the on the magical interweb again um as being like the turning point for wrestling figures and when wrestling figures got modernized and all this stuff and it was yeah it was the jack's classic superstars which I think was actually 2005 or so that they started. I could be wrong, but I think it was 2005. It was after, if you guys, I, I was still in high school, big wrestling fan. When Hogan came back in 02, and you kind of got that nostalgia era kind of thing going on. Um, it was really playing right off the heels of that. And then they started doing their own contracts with guys. So you could even get guys that weren't like, you know, at the time, um, at the time they started coming out, I don't know if Bret Hart had reconciled with the company yet, but they were putting out Bret Hart figures under that banner. They were putting out Warrior figures under that banner. Um, there's a Bruiser Brody in that line who never really, I mean, I know he worked for WWE early on in his career, but never exploded with them. So there was all kinds of guys like that that you could never get before. And that's why that line was really so cool to people, especially collectors. 
the best ones are the ones like uh, the Rock and Roll Express, the Freebirds that looked absolutely nothing like them. Guys, you know, obviously they weren't really uh, mainstays in the WWF. It looks like maybe they didn't even have like a photo to go by. It just it really doesn't look at all like those guys. Yeah, there's definitely some like that. There's some weird things that they did in that line to cut corners. And then there's like other figures that are just like perfect. It's very weird. Are there any like really uh, rare Jax figures? Jax did a lot of exclusive stuff. So there's like a lot of ringside collectibles exclusives that are pretty sought after. Um, the, I think the most highly sought after, and I'm not a huge Jax guy. I've got a few of those. Um, but I think the most highly sought after figure is, um, or figures, were um, they cut a deal with Warrior where he would have like maybe five of a specific figure. Like maybe it would be his normal figure that they were releasing in the line, but it would be painted differently. And he'd have like five of them made and then he would sign them and sell them on his own website. So anything that was a warrior exclusive is hugely sought after and hugely rare because I don't think any of them, there was any more than like 10 of them made or anything like that. So no, I had, uh, I bought, I think it was a Target exclusive, uh, the Blue Blazer, which was basically just a repainted, um, the head was actually a repainted Patriot mask. That, does that get any money? That one, uh, actually, yeah, that one, that one's behind a little bit. That one mint on card goes for like 35 or 40 bucks now. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Ah, uh, damn it. All right. Is, is that your only motivation here, Crockett? It was like fishing <laughs> for uh, information from Burke on, hey, what are my, what are the ones I have worth? I have the uh, Three Faces of Foley uh, box. How about that? The uh, box set? Literally no idea on that one. Okay. What about uh, Too Cool and Rikishi? I have that three-pack set. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, with the Bone Crunchers, when it goes past Series 2, like the stuff that was coming out during the Attitude Era when everything was wicked hot, I never had much of that stuff, so I don't have a lot of childhood memories of those, and I think that's when a lot of that stuff you're talking about was released. Also during the late 90s, WCW got back in the game again uh, with Toy Biz. And I know I just saw recently on uh, the Instagram, at Flex Collects, you had a Sting figure from the Toy Biz line, right? Yeah. So the Toy Biz line is cool. Like when they, when they came out, again, that was the first series of those came out in 98. I was kind of on that. Should I really be playing with toys anymore? Or, you know, I'm, I'm like 13 now. Like, what am I doing here? But I remember when they came out, it was kind of like they were cool. They were different. They weren't like anything else that was on the market for a wrestling toy. And I remember buying pretty much all of Series 1 and playing with them for like a day and then kind of being embarrassed about myself. There are some real wonky, weird things in that set. And then there's some stuff that I just think is like really cool that came out later on in that line. That Sting set, it was a six-figure set called The Evolution of Sting. And that line started, obviously, after he was out of the Surfer Sting era. So they released three, you know, kind of early 90s, late 80s versions of him in that set, which are awesome. Came with like the robes, everything with the tassels hanging off. And then there's three crow stings that are the absolute drizzling shits. Some like the absolute <laughs> worst figures that I've ever seen. Just like shitty, sh- like horrible paint jobs, stupid motions. One of them is, hey, he looks like an alien. So it's, it's, that's how that line kind of was. There was some stuff that you're like, wow, this is a really cool, like for an action figure, this is really cool. And then some other stuff that you're kind of like, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah, I seem to remember a Dennis Rodman figure in WCW at the Toy Biz line too, right? I have that. I, um, <laughs> so uh, myself, uh, my tag partner, Max Smashmaster, Joey Eastman, 
um, and uh, Top Shelf Troy Nelson do a uh, shitty wrestling figure Secret Santa every year where we try to buy either the most offensive figure we can find or just the, the worst figure that we can find uh, for each other. And then we have to display it for a full year. Now, the late 90s, of course, wrestling was super hot, and even ECW had a line of figures starting in 1999, and they were actually done by the original San Francisco toy makers, much like WCW in the uh, early to mid-90s. The ECW figures, I didn't really like the look of them. I think you said you just have one of them, right, Sean? Yeah, I have a, uh, the only one that I really like and I think looks cool is Shane Douglas, so I have him, but uh, a lot of those I really don't like. I agree with you. A lot of them were kind of awkward looking just kind of weird. They had like weird levers on their backs and stuff. They're just kind of thought they were kind of weird. Do collectors seek out these figures or they're just kind of forgotten? No, I think they're sought out and there's some that are like the Mike awesome figures. So some of the ones that were released toward the end are really rare. I know like, uh, Hawkins is, is huge into those. I think he has everything at this point. That's like, for whatever reason, those are like the big nostalgia ones for him because he was a big ECW guy. So there's definitely a market out there for them. It's it's not as big as the market for the Hasbros and some of the WWF stuff, um, the LJNs and that kind of stuff. There's a market out there for some of them. Some of them aren't worth the plastic they're made out of, but others that were rare are, do carry a pretty penny. Okay, so let's get into the WWF Mattel. That is the... Uh the company that's making the figures for WWE now. 2010, they started with Mattel. And you mentioned before the retro figures that are kind of in the vein of the Hasbro line, but what other Mattel figures are uh, really sought after these days? It seems that every time they come out with like a legend, that seems to be the hot one in whatever set it might be. And a lot of that stuff is like Target exclusives. A lot of times every time when they come out with like a new NXT set, so from time to time they'll release like four NXT people, Usually by the time they hit shelves, they're guys that have already been pulled up to the main roster. Those are usually hot. One of the last ones they came out with, like the the Drew McIntyre uh, set, was uh, super, super hot. And people people were like, you couldn't find those anywhere. Um, I actually walked into a Target one day. They were Target exclusives. I walked into a Target just to see what they had on the shelves. And there was a guy there. They had a couple McIntyres. Like it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He was pulling them off the shelf and like hugging them like he was in prison to run out of the <laughs> store with them. I'm, ass- I'm assuming to flip them on eBay, but he's kind of like looking at me like, what are you doing here? You know? And I'm like, dude, I'm just looking for retros. Leave me alone. I had, a, I had an interaction with somebody. I was, I was with, I was with my son. We were specifically going and looking for, for that set. This is going to sound like a weird humble brag, but, uh, so me and my son you are there. <laughs> me and my son are in the aisle. We're looking, we're looking at the wrestling figures. And, and as you know, as the state of these shelves for freaking months now have been Dreadful. barren on, on Target and Walmart, uh, awful. So this fella comes into the aisle and, he recognized me from from Ring of Honor, um, so he starts chatting me up, and then he decides to tell me that he's already gotten three complete sets of the NXT figures that I'm looking for that he sold on eBay, and I'm just like, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the first guy to recognize you in the world... In Target, you call him a piece of shit. I didn't call him a piece <laughs> of shit. I was very, I was very nice with him. Took a selfie with him, Michael. Well, now you're just calling it on our podcast in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> I hope he listens to the podcast and you've just lost a fan. Good, good. I, I wanted that damn set for, for, for my son. 
Your fucking merch table is going to die. <laughs> the only figure I actually have in my apartment now, I got a bunch at my parents' house, but the only figure I actually have here, actually right now on this desk, is the Tommaso Ciampa NXT figure. So that's the only one that I, that's the last figure that I actually bought. I think I bought you one too, Brian, right? Uh, yes, you did. So uh, is that worth anything, Sean Burke? Uh, I think, I, I don't actually know. I don't pay a heck of a lot of attention to the stuff that's not the let. Like I, I collect all the legends and stuff. You know the guys that I watched when I was a kid. I know there was a lot of buzz around the Tommaso figure. He's you were talking about the basic figure, right? I think so. The first yeah, one, yeah, 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 the NXT one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that one carries a huge. Uh, so the basic figures that aren't highly articulated and are just kind of like the legs move straight and everything. There's not usually a huge market for those. It's the elites with all the articulation and the waist articulation and stuff. And I know he has one coming out that I'm sure is going to be really hot. But I don't think that first one is just because of the type of figure that it is. All right. I got you. So, Brian, what are you out seeking out now in Mattel? I mean, (laughs) everything at this point. I mean, it's uh, I mean, we can get into it a little bit. Sean Burke, since like Toys R Us is gone, there's no toy stores anymore. Shelves like across the United States are like barren with wrestling figures. So pretty much, I mean, any of the last like three or four uh, of uh, you know elite series the last couple basic series and then uh probably the last like three retro series are just are very hard to uh very hard to find like and, and then oh. there have been some previous sets too where um you know i did manage to get my son a king harley race who you know harley race has passed away today I, I, you know um ironically yes, he did. but that figure is incredibly hard to find and it was barely on store shelves and it's not like these things are like short runs or anything like that they're just for whatever reason not finding their way to shelves yeah there's no one knows what i mean no one really knows what's going on with that i tend to like to blame walmart and target but i kind of have a feeling it might be mattel on the major podcast they always talk about distribution problems i don't know what it is yeah that harley race set people are convinced that like that's almost becoming like the moon belly kamala like we know they released them but no one's seen them i'm actually surprised you have that that's if you want to cry as i'm sure you let your kid play with it and kind of blow it up a little bit (laughs) <laughs> go uh, go look at what that's going for on eBay now. Oh yeah, I've looked. Yeah, and yeah, okay. he, he he has opened it and played with it, which is fine. Like I, you know, yeah, I really do buy them for him to play with. I don't like buy them uh-huh. and then and then tell him he can't play with them. Like he <laughs> plays with them. Um, because he's a big Harley Race fan. Your son. <laughs> well, you know, I yeah. mean, it, it's for me. It's just it's introducing him to what I grew up with and the things that I enjoyed. So now we, we watch wrestling and then we, we go out and, and so a, a lot of the times it's spurred on by, we watch something together old and then he gets really into it. So, I mean, he, he we, we were watching some of the 93 superstars and he really got into the, we watched the whole like Genesis of like the Papashango ultimate warrior feud, uh, which they came out. Mattel had a two pack of, which I ended up getting them because he really wanted uh Papashango and ultimate warrior because of, because of watching that or right now what he wants is nails. And, and he just doesn't understand <laughs> that they're not, that they don't make nails. Yeah. Happen. I don't think this could be a nails. <laughs> No, but he's pissed about it. I go, buddy, they don't have them. Why? And I was like, you know, I can't really explain to him why. Like, like they're going to come out with an Owen Hart figure before they come out with the nails. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we're wrapping up here, uh, Sean Burke, what are you seeking out? What is on your like hit list for what you're looking for to add to your collection uh, in the very near future? So actually, there's a few things that were released at Comic-Con this year that were exclusives. There is that Jack's Classic Superstars line that we were talking about. There's, a, an, I guess, a, an evolved version of the line called uh, Deluxe. 
which are kind of like your Mattel elite figures. They're articulated at the waist and everything. There's an Undertaker and Kane two-pack that was a ringside exclusive that is very, very valuable. And I just think it's it's really, really cool. It's um their gear is like cloth goods. So the Undertaker's got the cloak that he wore at WrestleMania 4. So it's basically a WrestleMania 14 set, which is really, really kind of cool the way they did it. And then there's the Kane is in his, you know, original Kane garb, but you can take the mask off and you can take the hair off, and then it's still it's bald Kane underneath. It's just kind of a really, really cool figure, um, but it's it, it goes for a lot of money. So I'm trying to track – my intention would be to open it and kind of uh, display it that way. So I'm trying to track one of those down uh, relatively cheap if I can. Now, WrestleMania 14, Pete Rose isn't included in that set? No, he is not. <laughs> That's a shame. Mark, if you if you write in a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of like fantasy book, if there, if there was like one – uh, one guy that hasn't been made yet, and and and, and you, you mentioned Owen Hart, and that's kind of what spurred this question. Like, you know, your what would be like your ultimate Mattel WWE kind of legends ask? Like, who would you like to see that hasn't been made yet? Flex Rumble Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are 14 Chikara fans somewhere that'd be very excited about that. Oh, they'd go crazy! You'd sell all 14 of them, though. <laughs> um, there are uh, actually. If you had asked me that like six months ago, I w- would have told you a diesel retro. Um, again, because of the similarity to that line and the Hasbro line, diesel was like that line ended just as he was blowing up. So a lot of people that were really into the Hasbro's always felt like you, you didn't have a diesel and you didn't have a Jeff Jarrett and you, and you didn't have a Mabel and you should have had those three guys like they belonged in that line. So Mattel just put out in the what looks like it's probably going to be the last series of retro figures, a diesel figure, which I, you know, a lot of people are kind of shitting on the head and they think it looks a little bit more like uh, Isaac Yankum diesel. <laughs> it does. Like Kevin Nash. Um, <laughs> but I'm just so pumped that we actually just have that figure. And it's the only one of the new retros that I'll put in my Hasbro case because I just feel like it, uh, you know, I feel like it's 20 years coming. Now, uh Sean Burke, a.k.a. Flex Rumble Crunch. You are on Instagram at Flex Collects. And what are you showing people on there? I'm just, you know, whatever. A lot of times it's whatever I've ordered this week. So if you really want to know how bored I am and how ridiculous I've gotten with this stuff, follow the page. If something new is popping up on there, it's probably something I just bought, which is also how I job myself out to my wife all the time. So (laughs) she gets she gets pissed. Um, thinks I'm a hoarder and I'm going to destroy the house and, you know, it's going to be overrun and all this stuff, which it might be not be that far out of, out of the realm of possibility. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll hustle home from work early if I can, like I'm not leaving work and playing hooky, but I'll try to get home before she does get all my boxes, get them opened up and get the shit moved out into my man cave before she can even see it. But then my dumb ass always goes and posts it on Instagram and then I'll like immediately get like a text message. Well, if I'm in a different part of the house, I get like a text message from her. Like, what the fuck is that new? So <laughs> you'll say no. So basically, if you want to watch my marriage crumble, follow my page. <laughs> uh, it all kind of started, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sean Burke, it all kind of started with that photo of the action figures in front of uh, Toys R Us as Toys R Us was going out of business. Was that something that you that you actually took that photo? Yeah, I did. So I was I, I was so legitimately I just had my son. And like Toys R Us was an experience. It wasn't like walking into a, into a Walmart or a Target where you've got one toy aisle. You know, it was it was an experience. Toys everywhere. It was an experience. So I loved it growing up. I had a lot of fond memories. Obviously, I played with toys a lot. I love them. So I was actually legitimately upset about Toys R Us going under. And I went to my local Toys R Us the morning after they closed. And I had like 
I think it was five different figures, but they were kind of like what I felt for me personally were the five iconic figures that I had as a child, or at least the five iconic lines that I always played with. So I had, actually, I think it's more than that. I had a 77 Star Wars Darth Vader, um, which somehow I had as a kid, even though I wasn't old enough. I had a, a War, Ultimate Warrior number one from the Hasbro set with the green trunks, the jumper figure. I had a Battle Armor He-Man. I had a uh, Ninja Turtle. I had Michelangelo. I had a G.I. Joe Sergeant Slaughter. And I had a Dan Marino starting lineup figure because I'm a Dolphins fan. Um, and I had them all. I've kind of laid them out in the parking lot to make it look like they were waving goodbye to the sign. And as embarrassingly enough, a bunch of the workers came outside. And here I am. It's it's like 830 in the morning. I'm on my way to work. I'm out here in business clothes laying on the fu- in the fucking parking lot <laughs> at a now closed Toys R Us. And people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah. Uh, I don't even want to have to explain it to you. I was looking for a quick in and a quick out, but <laughs> trying to go viral. Yeah. And it was funny. One of the, the, the woman from Toys R Us that, that came out and was kind of like, what are you doing? She was like, can you send that to me? So she gave me one of their corporate email addresses and, uh, I sent it to her. And like two days later, she, te- and I, I, I think I texted her a picture of it too. So I'm giving strange people my phone number. She texted me back like three days later. I was like, I don't know if you know it, but your picture went viral. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm aware. I'm very proud. Yeah, people people made T-shirts of it, right? I made my own T-shirts and tried to sell them. They didn't sell. Kind of, kind of, kind of like those shitty Flex Rumble Crunch T-shirts I've had for like three years. Yeah, I need those back, mother. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, they ain't going anywhere. I tried to sell them, but people wouldn't buy them. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I guess we'll wrap up here, guys. Sean Burke, Flex Rumble Crunch. Uh, great to have you on here to talk about some figures. And uh, Brian, why don't you say something nice about uh, Sean Burke before we go here? Um, I think it's great that you're retired. I, you know what? I think it's great that I'm retired and I don't have to see you anymore, too. <laughs> Good so I can throw away these piece of shit t-shirts. Mail them to me, damn it. <laughs> I think you got some eight by tens in there too. Yeah, the eight by tens I could probably use for like firewood or something, you know. I thought you were gonna go with toilet paper, but whatever. <laughs> now that'd be rough. Come on, I need I need two ply, you know, ultra soft, baby. That's right. Hey, look, if you ever get one of those figures, toy company figures, wait till you see what I do to that thing. <laughs> buy, buy buy multiple and have me autograph them so you can sell them. No, 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 no. We won't be autographing them. There may be a liquid that uh, you know, it might be. Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll see. You'll just you'll just be pissed off because you never got a figure, and I'm getting one. <laughs> hey, you're absolutely right. Damn it. <laughs> hey, someday they're gonna come out with a Legends of Jakara line. I just know it. And uh, you know, wait, would you be a Legend of Jakara? I consider myself a goddamn legend. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean Burke, Legend of Jakara, Legend of uh, Instagram. Thank you very much for being on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Thanks, guys. We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with Sean Burke on wrestling figures. Use the hashtag WPAN and interact with us online. Another way you can interact with us is through the voicemail line. Get your voicemails in. We will play them on this podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And we do have a voicemail, Brian. Oh, Lovely. So let's take a listen to this week's voicemail on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. This is Bobby Cruz. Say hey to Massachusetts, not Fall River. Never been from Fall River. Just listen to the latest episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, which is true because nobody is listening. And I heard 
Oh, call this 401 number and leave a voicemail for the, to be played by the wrestling podcast about nothing. Well, here's my voicemail. The show sucks. You're making fun of me being Fall, Fall River, which I've never been. Sucks. And your Bobby Cruz music segment sucks. That's it. Well, that was a long hang-up there, Bobby Cruz. Uh, <laughs> yeah, last week was a big week, Brian. You missed it. We basically uh, had the greatest moment in podcast history, according to Mike Mills. Yeah, I think you did, and it's the, it's the song that is sweeping the nation, rising up the charts. Casey Kasem himself is excited about this one. Bobby Cruz, do 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 do. Bobby Cruz, do 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 do. Bobby Cruz, do 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 do. Bobby Cruz. Bobby Cruz, do 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 do. Bobby Cruz, do 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 do. Bobby Cruz, do 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 do. Bobby Cruz. The Bobby Cruz song is literally all over the place. People are retweeting it. People loving it. And Ring of Honor retweeted it. <laughs> Everyone loves the Bobby Cruz song, and uh, we got to put out a thank you to Mike Mongoose, longtime listener here, a uh, longtime friend of you and I and the wrestling podcast about nothing, who actually took the Bobby Cruz song that I had at the very end of the episode. If you listened all the way to the end, you got a little bonus there of an extended cut of the Bobby Cruz song, and uh, he actually strung it all together and made it a full hour of the Bobby Cruz uh Baby Shark uh, remix song. You can find that on YouTube. It's uh, linked all over the place on uh, the WPAN Twitter. It is on the WPAN.com as well. You can find it there. A full hour of the Bobby Cruz song and uh, people really loving the hell out of it. Yeah, so one one person that really enjoys it, my three-year-old son, absolutely loves it. Uh, we were we were lay we were laying uh, in my bed last night playing it and he was singing along with it and just laughing hysterically. Uh, so it's it's catching on with the kids. It's catching on with the adults. It's uh, lightning in a bottle. It's magical. And uh, I'm sorry I missed it, but uh, hey, you know what? If I was if I was there, the moment might never have happened, Mike. I guess that's possible. Uh, I guess we can confirm. That when we had Bobby Cruz on the show, he was putting on a front, acting like he enjoyed the Bobby Cruz songs, the various different uh, Bobby Cruz songs that Todd Sinclair has sung in the past, because uh, it's really blown up in his face here, and he's really shown his true colors. I, I really hope, my, my dream is they kick off the Ring of Honor show, and here comes Bobby Cruz walking down the aisle, and the Bobby Cruz song is playing him to the ring That's the, in, in Toronto. That's my dream. That will be the uh, please do everything in your power. <laughs> I don't have that much stroke, but Todd Sinclair might. Yeah, see what you can do. Get a bug in his ear. That would be uh, tremendous. So, actually, we found out as we're recording here on Thursday night, Bobby Cruz put out a tweet saying that he has a answer song, much in the vein of the old uh, West Coast, uh, East Coast rap wars, where he is going to respond to our Bobby Cruz song. It's supposed to be on, on 10 a.m. on Friday, so we haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure it is a delightful song, and I think I'm going to edit it in right about now. F-U-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-
So he says it's uh, so heartfelt from me to all of you. So uh, I'm sure that is just a, a wonderful ditty that uh, is really in the spirit of fun that we're all, uh, you know, we're all celebrating here. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no, no doubt. It won't uh, have any references to us being fat or anything, I'm sure. That's true. Uh, also, speaking of Twitter, Brian, a tweet from a WWE NXT superstar that I will read to you. Oni Lorkin, yes, indeed, the former Biff Busick, he tweeted out, quote, my first year in wrestling, I kept it secret because I sucked, and there were usually like three people in the crowd, until Brian Malonis broke my face, and I came home gross looking, and my mom says she suspected I was in an underground fight club, but I said, no, I was pro wrestling, and she cried. So, Brian, how did you feel when you made Biff Busick's mom cry? Uh, you know, I, I, weirdly enough, this is in his bio on his WWE.com profile. Not my name, but that, that it happened. Not my proudest moment. Uh, you know, something I legitimately feel bad about to this day. And boy, am I real happy it, uh, it got brought back up randomly today for some reason. <laughs> well, he put you, I mean, he, he said you mentioned you by name. That's, uh, you're infamous. You've crossed promotional lines, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just this is I like want. Rick Rude showing up in Nitro the same night as Raw. An ROH guy being in an NXT tweet. Maybe I can get some uh, Ring of Honor lawyers to do a cease and desist uh, to the tweet <laughs> or something. That's the best way to handle it, I would think, Brian. <laughs> and let me just talk about uh, someone who's handling something really well. Uh, Big Bacon Brad Hollister, we talked a couple weeks ago that he was hurt uh, during a Beyond Wrestling show, uh, I think it was for an Uncharted Territory show, and it is confirmed that he tore his ACL. What he's doing with his time now is he is doing a podcast, it's called What's Sizzling with Big Bacon, it debuted uh, last Thursday, and a new episode coming this coming Friday, so check out uh, What's Sizzling with Big Bacon, you can subscribe on all the usual podcast outlets, so make sure to support Brad Hollister because... Because uh, he's really keeping himself busy while he's down with this injury. Yeah, I'll be supporting him by actually being a guest on uh, on the podcast coming up very soon. All right, make sure you put us over. Uh, you know, I'll try to remember. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, we'll put over some <laughs> other podcasts here, Brian, while we get a second. Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, and Doc Turner. Two podcasts a week. They do Sundays, the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursdays is their flagship show where they're talking about the old World Championship Wrestling Show, the Saturday Night 605 Show. MikeMills.Podbean.com for everything about booking the territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. They are uh, killing it over there, so be sure to support Mike Mills. And our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast, is basically the Northeast answer to the Southern Booking the Territory show. Our Vintage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Little Joe Murata and Big Michael Quinn host that show. New season starting today, Monday. They release their episodes. So right after you listen to us, listen to Our Vintage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. OVPPodcast.com is their website. 
Greetings from Allentown with PW Peter Winston. That is another podcast. He's been releasing like all these episodes. Uh, I guess he got laid off from his job, so he is uh, lots of free time to do extra podcasts, making us all look bad, PW is. So check out his podcast. Be sure to subscribe on his own feed, Greetings from Allentown. Forget the pro wrestling only stuff. Greetings from Allentown. Look that up on your favorite podcatcher and subscribe to Peter Winston's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Troy, Sal, all the rest there on the Rundown Wrestling Network. There's basically a show every day on the Rundown Wrestling Network. For more information, go to rundownwrestling.com and enjoy. All right, Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways, byways, and airways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler dates. Yeah, Mike, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> and I just keep adding things, apparently. Um, but uh, this week, I'm heading to Toronto, Canada for the first time. Uh, Ring of Honor Summer Supercard. Uh, not sure what the bouncers will be doing yet, but we will be in Toronto. We will be ready to fight somebody and whoop up on somebody's ass. Probably the kingdom, uh, if I had to guess. So, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens when uh, the, uh, the bouncers invade Canada. Uh, I'm looking forward to some of that high-octane beer, though, Mike. Uh-huh, a little couple of Molsons for yourself. Maybe, huh? Uh, and then the following week, uh, Saturday, Friday, it's going to be Friday night, August the 16th. I'm heading to Waukesha, Wisconsin for Brew City Wrestling. The very next day, I come back to New England, to Newburyport, Massachusetts for Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Just announced for Atlantic Pro Wrestling on August 17th, it'll be the brawler, me, taking on former WWE star Simon Grimm. So uh, that should be a fun match. The former Simon Gotch? Yes, so uh, that'll be a fun one. And then the very next day, I, I, I am debuting for Zero uh, One USA Northeast in Gardner, Massachusetts, teaming with my longtime adversary, Chase Almonte, to take on two guys that uh, I'm no stranger to in tag team action, Coast to Coast from Ring of Honor. So that'll be another fun match. Uh, the very next week, another another uh, kind of triple header weekend, uh, 823 UFO Wrestling in Malden, Massachusetts. It's Big Bang 11. Uh, 824 heading to Atlanta, Georgia for Ring of Honor Wrestling's international TV taping. The very next day, heading to Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, again for Ring of Honor. That's on 825. And then closing out the month on 831, heading to Proving Ground Wrestling in Peabody, Massachusetts. Holy smokes, Mike. That's quite a month you got there, Kingpin. It is, but it's going to be a fun one. So I guess your September is wide open, so we need people to email Brian Malonis <laughs> at Comcast.net or DM you on Twitter, at Brian Malonis, right? Sure, but I wouldn't say my September is wide open. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, see what you can do to get uh, the Kingpin, the brawler, on your upcoming event. The promo about nothing this week, Brian, is from the year 1999. And it seems to always come back around to World Championship Wrestling, WCW, 1999 especially. Uh, mean Gene Oakland is standing by Brian for a pretty famous promo that I wasn't even really aware of till recently. It is with Brett the Hitman Hart. And uh, why don't we just take a listen to this week's promo about nothing? 
Tony, with the announcement earlier on from President Ric Flair of World Championship Wrestling, I've set up camp back in the locker room area with this man, Brett the Hitman Hart. And as you heard earlier on, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, as president of WCW, announcing a mandatory United States title defense for Brett the Hitman Hart. That's coming up on February the 21st at Super Bowl. Tonight, however, in a non-title bout, you've got Booker T. You've got a full plate here, I must say. You know, I don't know what Ric Flair's problem is, you know. You know, I've always been a jam-up guy. I've always been I've always been a guy that's never ducked anything, anybody, anytime, anywhere. Now, Ric Flair, you know, this, this is the case of a guy that's carrying around a grudge. He's had a grudge against me since I've come here, and, uh, you know, that's fine. He wants to throw me in a ring tonight with Booker T. Who is Booker T? Who is this guy to even have a match with me, let alone a non-title match, because he's a loser? He's not going to get a title shot. You can forget about that. Well, he is not a loser. You know He's that. He's a right? loser. Now, Booker T, I want to ask you a question. Have you got the guts to step in the ring with the excellence of execution tonight? Do you know that your life is on the line? Your career is on the line? All the little kids at home, they're going to watch me tear you up and break you in little pieces. Is that what you want? I'm sure that's what Ric Flair wants. Well, I'll tell you one thing about Booker T. This man has held numerous titles in World Championship Wrestling, and there's a guy that we would be deserving of a chance at your United States title. Let me tell you, me tell you about who deserves a shot at the United States Heavyweight Let's hear it. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to WCW, and I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, L. Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler. You're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any Whoa. reason. Wait a minute. L. Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but my goodness sakes, they're 50 pounds different. Who are you to, to, to doubt L. Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious how about contenders. The, how about hypnosis? Let's get through Psychosis? Psychosis? Whatever, whatever. He's a great wrestler. You know, you can say what you want. You can try to tear these guys down and take them down. Psychosis. But has also he's been a high working. flyer of the highest yes, magnitude. Yes, but he's still a cruiserweight. Let's, let's get, okay, let's get how some. How about Dean Malenko? I was going to give him a title shot. He was a big man, oh. wanted to injure me. Hey, come injure me now, you little punk. He's sitting at home with some kind of hokey injury. This is a real injury, Dean Malenko. Dean this Malenko. is like groin pull that likes you've never seen in your whole life. Well, he right now is nursing a very bad sprained ankle. Yeah. And as Ooh. far as that groin pull, you know people that compete in football and basketball. A lot of champions have to play hurt. Oh, yeah. You, so you're, what are you saying? I won't play hurt? I'll play hurt. I'm going to play hurt tonight. And I'm going to take this uh, Booker T and show exactly what I've said a minute ago. He doesn't deserve a title shot. And Ric Flair, you go ahead and bring up your grudge. you got some kind of a grudge on me. You can you can try to force me into situations. You're going to put me in a, in a title match with whomever you want, whenever you want. That's fine, Ric Flair. That's fine. Because you know why you're jealous of me? It's because I beat you. I beat you the day I came in, and I beat you every time. I ever stepped in the ring with you, and you just got a grudge against me. That's all. Make no mistake about it. On February right? the 21st, Am I right? in Oakland, yeah, I'm right. you're going to be facing somebody, and that U.S. title will be on the line, Mr. Hart. Whatever. Thank you very much. Tony, a man that's not too happy, at least about defending the United States title, Brett the Hitman Hart. Back to you, my friend. Who are you to doubt El Dandy? I am, I am no one to doubt El Dandy, Brian. Do you, were you aware of this promo? I think I've been aware of like the line, who are you to doubt El Dandy? But I guess I never knew where it came from. Yeah, because I think I had long checked out on WCW at this point, 1999. 
Well, it's actually the beginning of the year. It's January 99. You, you and everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what is a jam up guy, Brian? I have no freaking clue. <laughs> He's a jam up guy and El Dandy's a jam up guy. So just. Uh, <laughs> What's that all about? A couple of jammy jams over here. <laughs> you know, Bret Hart, uh, uh, never the greatest guy on the microphone. And, and uh, boy. You think of the way he came out of 1997 with WWE and the great stuff he did there, and this sounds like a guy who mailed it in and was collecting a paycheck. I got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he apparently, I mean, he's definitely heel at this point in 1999, and uh, yeah, just you can just tell from the close of the interview. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I was helping to lay out interviews for Chaotic Wrestling, uh, this is a kind of problem of mine. I would have a good premise for a promo. Not a good finish. And this promo ends with Bret Hart saying, uh, whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> not quite the uh, close that you'd want. And a walk-off. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Brian, he tells Dean Malenko that he is a groin pull, the likes of which you've never seen. So, Brian, i got to ask you something. What does a groin pull look like? I don't know, Mike. You probably spent a lot of time pulling your groin over there. Uh, <laughs> hypnosis is also is a top contender for the u.s title i hear do you think he actually didn't so i, I i'm gonna go out and say he legitimately thought his name was Hi- hypnosis yeah probably. I, I think i i don't think that was done like um i i don't think he did it like tongue-in-cheek i think he legitimately thought his name was hypnosis uh, yeah i think i think you're correct and this is another example of course of the interviewer actually being an active participant in the interview and actually challenging the guy he's speaking to. Uh, there are very few out there like Gene Oakland, especially these days. There's literally none like Gene Oakland <laughs> yes. um, these days. Literally none. If this were if this were now, the uh, the interviewer would just stare off into uh, the distance with a glazed over look in their eye. And like while he's saying all this stuff, maybe like give like a quizzical look, but not actually like go back at him and challenge him on his the points that he's making. Why would you? <laughs> exactly. Well, that is the world famous uh, Bret Hart L Dandy promo. You've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Brian, we are back here next Monday for episode 172 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. Till then, he is the brawler Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz